All right, this has been a big week for Inappropriate Earl. Uh, very controversial Mike Faberman uh, was on. But, uh, you know, we here at Inappropriate Earl uh, Enterprises, we don't uh, censor anyone. You can come on, say whatever you want to say, whether I agree with it or not. It will air in, in its entirety. And people stop asking me who Julio in space is. I will not reveal the identity of him. Uh, for several obvious reasons. And uh, last week we had uh, Robin Tran, great girl, killer roast battle. But today, tonight, we have maybe the king of roast battle. And he's certainly more than that. <laughs> Philly legend out here now writing for Bill Simmons' hit show, biggest show on TV right now, Mr. Pat Barker. You forgot my biggest credit. I was I was Julio in space on an episode of Inappropriate Earl. Well, uh, I don't think that accent could overcome the fake Mexican accent <laughs> that uh, Julio was. But uh, it's an honor to have you here, man. You uh, your battle last week, and we're going to talk about comedy sports. But I feel that uh, I talk about roast battles so much on this show because it, it's like that's still the number one show in L.A. Uh, your battle last week with Keith Carey, b- greatest battle of all time. That's what people are saying. That's like that's super flattering uh, to to hear. Um, yeah, that it was uh, it was crazy. I, some people have said it was definitely uh, the meanest. Um, it was just like the perfect combination of like you know really fun fat jokes and just like awful mean shit that you wouldn't say to your worst enemies. Yeah, and that's what makes roast battle. Uh so intriguing, I think. Is you guys are are you guys acquaintances or friends? Oh, Keith and I are friends, right? Yeah. But not friends like you'd go to the movies, like more comedy friends. Yeah, yeah. We 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 haven't really hung out outside of comedy. I wouldn't be opposed to it. It just yeah, we're we're not on that level. And uh, I think you and Keith and uh, Hooper certainly uh, and Leah K. Janian. Uh, there's so many great battlers, uh, mm. but you are among the elite writers, you know, and when I always tell people I'm not a roaster, like to me, you're a roaster because your writing is just, it's, it's on, it's level 10. Thank you. I put, I put a lot of, I put a lot of time into it. Keith, Keith is one of those guys to me, Keith and, and Connor McSpadden and Joe Dosh, who have an excellent podcast as well, uh, the Mean Boys podcast, they uh, they were just put on this earth to be assholes, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Like it's it's it just comes naturally to them. It's a gift. It is a gift. It's like it's like watching like Bobby Fischer play chess. You know what I mean? Like it's just in their blood. For me, like that's not necessarily who I am. So I, I have to put in a lot more effort. I have to get myself into like a mental place uh, where you know I just become like evil <laughs> for a little bit. Well, you have to. Like I look at you, and I, I think I said it on the uh, verbal violence interview. You have you remind me of my favorite baseball player as a kid. The great legendary pirate slugger Dave Parker mm. when you would see him on the on deck circle and from the circle to the home plate he would have this swagger not cocky he would just sashay to the plate <laughs> and to see you on stage it's I get that same vibe from you it's not cockiness but you know you're good at it uh, I think you have to you have to have that confidence um, that's a room that will eat you alive oh. 
If if you don't have that, if you go in like I'm not sure I belong here, you probably don't. Uh, you know, so I I think you have to uh, you gotta put yourself sort of in that frame of mind where you know you're just you're you're out for blood because that's the only way to survive. It's it's like a prison fight. Like you can't go in looking to win by like you know submission and then hug afterwards. Like you got to be ready to stab somebody in the jugular. I mean, yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. And I think Jeff always says it. If you have thin skin, get the fuck out. Because I mean, I mean, some of the subjects that are hit are brutal. Like you know, your wife's situation with the miscarriage. Sure. That that has been brought up multiple times. I mean, I, uh, Olivia's uh, rape, sexual assault. You know, I wrote a three-tiered rape joke. Uh, you know, it's a, <laughs> I remember it. It was amazing. I mean, you know, for me, it was amazing. It might have been my finest hour. But like, you joke about uh, like Olivia's a retarded sister. You joke about that. And yeah. I think uh, Doug Fager's brother. Uh, Doug Fager's brother died. Um, I get a lot of like, you know, my dad died. Uh, you know, Keith Carey, his his family is. Uh, I mean, Keith is. I, I described him last night to somebody as a, a cornucopia of disaster. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like everything about him is fucked up in one way or another, uh, and it's all fair game. And uh, you know, nobody nobody really says, "Hey, could you not talk about?" It? Sometimes we do it out of respect, but. Uh, for the most part, I've never had a battle where somebody like specifically asked me not to talk about something. You know, it's it's always like everything is is on the table. And the only caveat is as long as you can make it funny. That's that's the catch, uh, because I, I've definitely seen in that room like mean for the sake of mean doesn't necessarily work. But if you can make it funny, oof, the crowd. Yeah, they're on board for anything. Well, I think with Olivia's battle against Ashley Barnhill, who I love and she's great, uh, her jokes might have been a little more toward the mean side than, uh, you know, uh, not funny necessarily, but uh, they, they were particularly mean. clever. And I, I, I say that as uh, as a fan of Ashley Barnhill. Ashley Barnhill, uh, like well over a year ago, um, still had one of my favorite jokes I've ever heard. It sticks with me. Like almost two years later. She uh, she battled Janelle Santa Cruz and she said Janelle's last name is Santa Cruz like the college and she's just like the college because she'll let 90 percent in but nobody wants to finish there <laughs> or some. I'm sure I butchered the delivery, but it was really creative and funny and specific to her name and like there was a lot of layers to it and it was really fucking good. Uh, yeah. And against uh, Olivia, her jokes just weren't on that same level. Well, I think the week before uh Tony Henchcliffe, uh, Olivia was sitting on my lap at the. That was during table. one of my battles. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was uh, battling Toby, uh, Toby Maraschino, and uh, yeah, Tony Hinchcliffe was one of the judges, and he went off. Just hammered Olivia with fat joke after fat joke, and mm -hmm. uh, they were doing well. I'll give them that. Uh, but I think that might have uh, skewed Ashley to go. I'm just going to do fat jokes. Yeah, I think so. And then Olivia's rebuttals were just like that first rebuttal is probably the greatest rebuttal I've ever heard in that room. I uh, totally agree. Um, the, that uh, that shut everything down. I mean, uh, I forget what Ashley's joke was, but Olivia's rebuttal was, "You're just jealous. My sweater has more material than you." Yep, it still makes me laugh. It was uh, perfect. Yeah, uh, it was it was perfect, and. 
You know, I'm sure if Ashley had it to do over, even if she planned on going in with all fat jokes, she would have had a plan B. <laughs> you know, I think it's important in roast. Bar. Absolutely. You have to be able to adapt. And at that point, like the crowd was no long, like no fat joke was going to work at that point. It could have been the best fat joke ever. And the crowd was not going to be on board with it. And, uh, you know, when you go in there with just a plan A, you just got to put your head down and, and hope for the best. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, every battle, uh, I have, uh, I try and map out a, a strategy, but I also make room for plan B. Your your entire strategy is plan B. You you do Probably. something I've never I've never seen done before and, and nobody else can can pull it off. Like when I when I write a battle, you know, I, I have my three rounds meticulously memorized. I recite them like a hundred times. And I have a couple rebuttals and I'm ready to pull things and, and all that and like it's like a constant game of like Tetris in my head. Like how do I make this brick fit or that, you right. know, and you get up there and I've, ne- you, you have like a Rolodex with like 7,000 jokes in it. Almost horrible. You, but you'll, but you'll be doing a one round battle where you're supposed to do four jokes and you'll write 400. Absolutely. And you'll have them all ready to go at any point. And you're so quick with that. Where do I fit this brick in? You know exactly where it goes, and you're ready to go at at all times. No matter what curveball they throw at you, you're ready to hit it. It's fucking incredible. But like, I would struggle against you, like you know. And who knows? You know, it's almost an inevitable collision. Oh, it'll happen. <laughs> it'll happen. But I'm scared, you know, because like you and Leah, <laughs> you Leah and Connor scare me the most because. Mm-hmm. Uh, for different reasons, like Connor to me is so plain looking, and I that's not like a you know right. beginning roast joke. It's just he's like normal looking. Sure. So we like, and we all have stuff to make fun of, all of us. Uh, and Leah, even last night, her jokes are so silly but vicious. Uh, you know, and you, it's like, you know, I I have nothing bad to say about you. Well, I'm sure you, you'll you'll come up with something or 400 things. I would come up with 12 <laughs> things, but like I, that's where I struggle the most, and where I see guys like you and Keith and Olivia. Olivia's not a guy, but like uh, where you could take someone who looks normal and go, "I'm going to pick on this." It's definitely tougher. It, it they're they're two unique challenges uh, because I totally agree on on Connor McSpadden. Uh, you got you got a guy who uh, he's he's young. He's getting booked a lot. Like, you know, he's doing a lot of comedy. He's he's very successful. He's a normal looking dude. Like in terms of like just outward appearance, like you got to dig deeper to find the jokes for him. And then you have somebody like, uh, you know, like Keith or if you battle like I battled Alex Duong and, uh, you know, he's Asian or Frank and he's Mexican. And some people will say that that's like that's low hanging fruit to like take angles that have been done before. But my attitude is like, okay, if there have been a hundred fat jokes about Keith, I want to do the best fat jokes anyone's ever heard. Right. That's the new bar. Like if I just went in there and did some that fall in the middle of that 100 pack, then yeah, that's, that's lazy and that's low hanging fruit. But if I take something that's been done and I say, I'm going to try to do this better than anyone's ever done it. That's, that's what makes it, you know, challenging. Yeah, it's like for you, it's like, how do I write a, a better miscarriage joke than Keith wrote? 
Uh, yeah. You know, I, and, I, and I didn't think he could write a better one than Dan Nolan. Did. Yeah. Dan uh, Nolan, uh, like, you know, he, he, he destroyed me with one. Um, but that's, that's the evolution of it. I tried telling my wife, uh, you know, I started prepping her for it. I was like, somebody is going to bring that up. And what, like it's, I've always point. wondered how it affects the, your significant other who didn't necessarily sign up for this. Sure. Uh, and uh, did she take it? Like, I mean, it was, t- I mean, she's been getting mentioned in battles for a while. Uh, I think because I'm a pretty plain white dude, like you said, it's tough to come up with angles. So one of the angles that people would take is, you know, taking shots at, at her. Um, and I, I remember like the first time that it happened, uh, you know, she, she wasn't there, but she read the roast report. And who was the first time? Uh, it was to- Toby Maraschino okay. and, um, Toby's entire second round, um, was dedicated to the theme of Pat's wife is also fat, <laughs> which is not true my my wife is my wife is gorgeous oh she's um, beautiful yeah you've met her yeah you, you know she's cool but it's one of those things like if she's not there like everybody in the room instantly pictures this like 600 pound way because you have creative license right. you know what i mean so his whole round ra- and to, to his credit it was a very funny round um and the first joke was pat's wife is also fat so it's a shame sex marriage which is just it's fucking it's brilliant um <laughs> and you know, the roast report got published the next day and she went in excited to read about her husband winning. And uh, she read that and it, it was really it was tough for her. Um, it was because, like you say, she didn't sign up for it. She's not a comedian. She's never done comedy. She has no urge to do because she's a normal fucking person. What does she do? Uh, she works with uh, special needs kids, kids who have autism. Oh, uh, you know, Down syndrome, things like that. Um, so she works in the school district. She has like a like a pullout class with, uh, you know, special needs kids. Right. Um, so she's she's a saint. You know, she, she's over here doing uh, doing God's work. And, uh, you know, she has to go online in the morning and read about how people are just slandering her in for the entertainment of strangers. Um, but she also, she knows that I needed to do that show to raise my profile and get opportunities. And it's, it's a real catch 22 because like those battles that destroyed her personally were also what led to me getting like a job in television. So, you know, she's not thrilled about it, but she understands. And she actually went to my battle with Keith and, um, you know, uh, Keith beforehand said, I, I didn't know she was going to be here. And I said, it's okay, man. She's cool. Like, just do your jokes. And he was like, oh, I'm doing them. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have any other, you know, options. Uh, so she sat there and there were, you know, two miscarriage jokes and uh, they were both very good. And, uh, you know, she, she took it and smiled. I mean, I guess as long as the joke's funny, it makes the uh, sting of the joke a little less... Uh I don't know. I don't know because, you know, her perspective on that, like the Dan Nolan one was the first one. And that was uh, when Pat lost his child to a miscarriage last year, there was nothing funny about it, which is how Pat knew he was the father, (laughs) which is a great joke. And in defense of that joke, it's not even a miscarriage joke. It's a he's calling me not funny, which clearly he knows you are right. But but yeah, but what what I'm saying is it wasn't exploitative. You know what I mean? Like he just he used that as a vehicle. So it's weird because when I had to tell her about the joke the next day, um, it reminded me of, you know, you know, the Chappelle bit where he was like, he's, he's like, I was watching Kramer 
when he said the N word. Right. And the black side of me was like, like, fuck Kramer. But the white side of me is like, damn, he's having a rough set. Mm-hmm. Or the, the, uh, the comedian side of me is like, oh, damn, he's having a rough set. Yeah. Hang in there, Kramer. That's how I felt about the joke, because I'm, I'm explaining it to my wife and she's really upset and I'm trying to comfort her and be like, yeah, how dare he do that? But on the inside, I'm like, she can at least acknowledge that it's a fucking great joke, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the jokes in that show are just like, you know, uh, like when you go up against, I don't want you to give away your strategy for future battles. Yeah. Like when I go up against someone, I, I like I told you in the interview, I look at myself naked. I say, "What can they? <laughs> what can they make fun of me? The big head, whatever. Love handles." Uh, and then I think, "Okay, what in my family is a target? Do you do similar uh, without giving away your? Uh, how do you prepare in, from the standpoint of? Do you look at your faults first or theirs?" Uh, well, I don't have to look at mine. They've been brought to my attention very frequently in battles. So, like, uh, I'm. You know, I'm aware. I'm aware of what angles people will take, and uh, I try to. I try to write rebuttals, uh, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't. It doesn't click. Like you don't have a great rebuttal for that particular person, and then other times, you know, you, you got one in the chamber, and you just you wait to use it. But I think, generally speaking, without giving away too much strategy, it's always a good idea to be aware of your flaws. You're right, and when people hear this, it's you're roasting flaws. Like if you're fat, it's not a flaw to be fat, you know. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you want to phrase it a different way, be aware of what people are gonna make fun of you right. for. I mean, uh, what whatever that is. If you're if you're a, a black guy, you're probably gonna get black jokes. It's certainly not a flaw to be black, but that's. People don't understand, like, I've, I've heard some people who, who don't get the show and they criticize what they consider to be, like, lazy jokes, like lowest common denominator jokes. And the thing is, you have two completely unknown people roasting each other and you have to get your joke out in about four seconds or the crowd loses patience. So if we're roasting, let's say I find out something, like, really deep, dark secret about you. It takes so much exposition to set it up that it's very hard to nail that. Whereas if there's a really obvious angle, that's just easier to attack. It's easier to connect with the crowd uh, because, you know, you watch the Comedy Central roast. Everybody knows who those people are. So you don't have to set up like, oh, Snoop Dogg, you know, whatever this and that. People know who he is. But in that room, nobody knows who the fuck any of us are. So it's easier for me to be like, oh, Omid Singh is an Indian as, right. a, as opposed to, oh, Omid Singh worked at a Dairy Queen when he was 17 and he got fired because his drawer was $7 over. You know what I mean? Like, even if I have a great joke for that, like, I, I don't have time to set all that up. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Comedy Central there uh, and the Dean Martin roast, which I like, to uh, they're more paying tribute. You know, they're giving each other a lot of shit, but sure. it's, you know, roast battles may be a little different because it's, <laughs> I don't know if you're necessarily giving tribute to who you're going up against you're trying to fluster them sure so you look better what's competitive yeah it's not necessarily hey i love pat because he's a great you know it's like you know just for those 10 minutes on stage it's like hey pat here's a miscarriage joke because i got another one coming Uh, so sure suck it and yeah you have you have to expect that you're doing yourself a disservice if you go into roast battle and you're in denial about what what people are going to talk about. Well, I think if uh, 
that's my best quality is I know what people are going to talk about. Sure. You know, old, uh, you know, his you know, last girlfriend being pretty young. Uh, <laughs> very young, actually. Uh, <laughs> and one of the top other roasters, so everyone knows her. Uh, yeah. You, you know, Kennedy cousin. Uh, I mean, I'm an open book. Sure. So I think that helps. You know, no secrets. It's always it's always good to own what what you're uh, whatever they're gonna roast you about and and be able to respond to it. And I've seen times where it just shuts the room down. And I've seen other times. I mean, you know, to go back to that Ashley and Olivia battle, uh, Olivia owned the weight thing. Yeah, had a rebuttal. And then at one point she made a joke about Ashley uh, having like a horse face and Ashley was so unprepared for it that she just had like a little like a moment where she just started yelling at the because the crowd laughed because it was a, a funny joke. And Ashley just like yelled at the crowd. She was like, I don't even have a horse face like you're not there to try to reason with people and convince them, you know, like that's just that's not how the sh- the show works. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Olivia, you, Connor's really good at uh, taking the best shot someone else can give you and go, yeah, okay. In Olivia's case, it's like, all right, I'm fat. Right. What else you got? Sure. All right, I wear a lot of makeup or, or you know, I have acne sometimes. Great. You don't look that hot either, buddy. So. And I, I think ultimately, like, you want the other person to do well. Like at the end of the day, look, there's records and there's rankings and there's wins and losses and there's judges. And I get all that. You want to win. You want your hand raised at the end of the day. Sure. Um, But I've won shitty battles and I've lost great battles and I would much rather do the latter. You know, like you're still performing. Like that's why we all do comedy is to make crowds laugh like there and there's no better feeling than blowing up that room that's the best and if you get like like keith and i's you know our our battle last week was so insane it got a standing ovation it got like it was i've never experienced something like like that like that energy was outrageous and keith and i both both discussed this like once we got past the first overtime all we were rooting for is that the other person wouldn't fuck up there wasn't one dud in the battle. I know, which was amazing. It's and crazy. It, it's almost like you're throwing a perfect game and you're you're heading into the ninth. You know what I mean? And you're like, just don't give up a blue pit. Don't do something that's going to make this anything less than perfect. And I was really like every time Keith went, like I was rooting for him because I knew like every every joke that hit was elevating the battle like higher and higher. And what was impressive to me was a lot of fat jokes, but all of them different with the Maybe a different angle other than, uh, you're, you know, when you sit around the house, you really sit around. <laughs> uh, you know, that was, I mean, triple overtime. I mean, we may never see that again. The thing, the thing that I loved about the fat jokes is that they were, for the most part, very specific to the people. Like the setup would be about something else. And then the punchline was a fat joke. Like I said, Keith's parents are both drug addicts, but he's never used because he can't find anyone to cook his meth animal style. That's a setup that I can only use on Keith. And then Keith said, Pat's dad died of a heart attack. He would have survived, but Pat made the ambulance stop at Arby's. Just insane, like hilarious jokes, but they they were specific to to us. There were really no generic kind of fat jokes in there, which I was really proud of. 
Now, here's the question for you. Mm -hmm. And I find people in the top 10, they don't necessarily want to battle anybody else because there's nothing to gain by, say, what you're number two, right? Yeah. So you really have nothing to gain by battling. I don't even know who this person is, number 28. Right. Like, I find it's almost like an exclusive club. Like, I mean, in theory. What yeah. goes into like your next battle? Do you know who it is? No, I don't have one booked. I definitely have like I, there's there's people. I have like a short list of people that I really want to battle. Uh, I want to battle Hooper. Oh yeah, I mean that's it's it has to happen. I want to battle Jay Light. I want to battle Connor. Uh, I want to battle Olivia at some point. I want to battle you. Um, but that's not to say that I wouldn't take somebody you know out of the top ten. I mean, when I battled Dan Nolan. I think I was three and he was like 14, but right. like I recognize like how, how good he is. He's right. He's an, he's really good. And I was like, this is somebody who deserves. That's why I love the rankings. The rankings aren't for the people in the top 10. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if I'm two or four or seven or whatever. Like uh, uh, you and I are established enough on that show that if you go up and you're like, Hey, I want to battle this person. They're like, all right, here's the date done. You have no difficulty with that. The rankings are for the people who are in that 30 to 40 to 45 kind right. of range who need recognition. Right. Like the rankings went away for a while. And then it's like, well, if you're a new guy, all right, you're three and oh, but nobody's keep a track of records. Nobody cares. That's why I fought for the rankings. Cause I saw guys like Jeff, Jeff suing and Tony Bartoloni and, and Quentin Mascaratol, oh, all these guys, Ramsey Badawi, who were great. And it's like, it's almost like they would do an undercard and then by the next week it would just be forgotten. Right. And I'm like, there needs to be documented like proof of how much ass these guys are kicking. Um, and that was why I really fought to like bring the rankings back. I, I honestly, other than the number one spot, because I, I do think there should be a champion and something to like ultimately gun for. Like other than that, you know, two, three, four, five, like it's all, they're, they're interchangeable. Anybody in the top like 15 can beat anybody else. Oh, I bet like Tom Goss is an animal. Oh, he's he, great. He's great. Uh, he's another one. I would, I would, to I would totally battle like him and I, him and I have talked about it, but like around Keith, it just seemed like it would be an overdose of the same kind of, you know, material. Doug Fager. Like Doug's uh, incredible. Uh, Stuart Thompson. Sure. Uh, and a, a, a gentleman I'm hoping to lure out of. I don't know if he's retired, but he's a co-worker of yours. Oh, okay. Not me. I don't want to battle him. Right. He, like, once again, he scares me. The great Brendan Lynch. Brendan is incredible. Um, but he did a lot of earlier battles, and uh, I enjoyed his... Uh, he just, out of the hundreds of battles I've seen, he has this, like, Christian Bale, American Psycho just blank <laughs> like dead just no feeling yep uh, and it's sort of how he is in the office too <laughs> he's uh yeah that's not an act for the no, stage it's just so he's you know very tall and and good looking dude and it's just like wow i would i would be petrified and he's he's a great writer He's uh he was sort of towards the end of doing them at the time that I was starting, but we ended up on the same like card together, you know, a couple times. And um, I, I also would, I desperately want him to come back. And 
the peer pressure in the office now is uh, people really want to see me versus Brendan Lynch with Bill Simmons as a judge. What's that be? I mean, <laughs> Just our boss coming in. Uh, you know, hopefully nobody gets fired uh, for losing. But um, yeah, the people at the office, uh, you know, the, the other writers and producers and stuff like that, they weren't really familiar with the roast battle, but they watched me and Keith on Periscope and now they're hooked and they're like, Brendan, you have to go and you have to battle Pat. Um, so yeah, he's, he's one that I would be terrified of. He's, he's so like, uh, like just, he's brilliant. He will, he will take the littlest thing that nobody else would even notice. Like I have a Lenovo computer. Everybody in the office has an Apple and I have a Lenovo and like, he hasn't stopped it. He hasn't stopped roasting me about it for nine weeks now. Like, the Lenovo, I drink sugar-free Red Bull a lot, and like he just he has nine weeks worth of Red Bull jokes for me. It's incredible. Now, did you get the show uh because of Roast Battle? Did someone see you and go, hey? Uh indirectly. See, that's the another great thing about the show is the side gigs you can Yeah. It was it wasn't a case of somebody saw me and said, Hey, we want you to do this gig. It was a case of somebody saw me and said, Hey, uh, can you uh help me with this gig? And then basically my thing is like, I know every time I get on the roast battle stage, I'm exposing myself to like people who haven't seen me before. So I better be at my best. Oh, sure. So when I got an opportunity out of that, it was something where I was asked to write like 30 jokes for another roast. And I turned in 322. I just, I took like four days and just like, like focused on nothing but that. And, um, it didn't it didn't pay a lot. So, you know, the return on investment, if you're looking short term, was was poor. But I was like, this could be another opportunity. Right. And sure enough, you know, when you turn in 300 good jokes, when they're looking for 30 decent ones, that's when people start to like notice. And then I got more opportunities from that. And they just kept sort of building and building. And then, uh, you know, they built to somebody who knew somebody who, you know, was working on this new Bill Simmons show and. Next thing you know, I, I get my foot in the door for an interview there and you got to submit, you know, a packet. So they wanted three ideas for a packet. So I turned in 20 ideas. You know what I mean? Just like whatever the goal is, just shoot so far beyond it that you're undeniable. Right. And uh, yeah, that's how I ended up getting the job. And what made you come out here to do comedy? I mean, because it's either because you're from Philly. Yeah. Big, big comic in Philly. Like a working comic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I mean, I, I had done comedy in Philly for eight years, and I, I hit the ceiling probably after four, five. Philly's not a huge comedy city. We just got a second comedy club open like last week in Philly, but it was one club, you know? So Helium. Helium, right. yeah. So you, you start out doing the open mics at Helium, and they like you, and they start paying you to host, and then they pay you to feature, and then you get to go on the road and do their other clubs. They have like six or seven throughout the country. And that's the ceiling. That's it. And uh, I knew I was like, I can't I can't just stay here and and do this. Um, I have to get out. So at that point, it's just it's either New York or L.A. And most of my friends chose New York and I I chose L.A. Um, But I left not because I disliked Philly. I love Philly and I really enjoy. Don't get me wrong. Like I enjoyed getting paid work three, four nights a week and getting to do half hours and everything like that. And I, I hated coming to LA and going back to like three minute sets, but I realized it was necessary to take a step down to ultimately, you know, go way up. Now has a lot of people say roast battle 
hurts their stand-up writing because they devote so much time to writing basically one or two line or jokes. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think it helps or hurts your stand-up like writing? Uh, I think. Because uh, how do you write your stand-up normally? It just. Uh, I've never written. That's the crazy thing. Like with roast battle, I sit down and write, and you have to. But with stand-up, it was always just sort of like I would go like a month without writing a new bit, and then I would get ten new minutes in you know like a week. It was always just like a, a concept would come to me and like I'm more like long form like storytelling on stage. So when you get a couple things like, you know, you, you get a few good bits, all of a sudden you're working on your half hour. Um, so to me, the two things are completely it would be like saying, how does, you know, playing pickup basketball affect your work as a mechanic? I mean, to me, they're completely different things. I understand for a lot of people they're they're the same. But for me, they're uh, they're very different. And also, I had already recorded an album and everything by the time I moved out here. Like I had like an hour I was comfortable with. So it wasn't like, oh, if I focus on roast battling, I'm going to forget how to do comedy. You know, like I, I I was always fine with that. How did you find out about roast battle? Um, how did I? Uh, I had heard it mentioned a couple times, and I thought it was a cool concept, and like I, I thought that I would like to do it. Um, and then there was a guy uh, from also from Philadelphia um, who has since moved to New York, and uh, somebody told me he's actually moving back here again. Uh, his name's Rob Lewis. Okay, and. Um, I just always, you, you know, the assumption with any hot show in LA is you sit back and you look at it and you're like, well, what do you have to do to get booked on that? You probably have to know a bunch of people. You got to jump through all these hoops. And next thing I knew he was booked on it and he was just like an open micer. So I was like, oh, how the fuck did he get that? You know? So I went and I watched and he did an undercard and, uh, it wasn't good. It was really, it was, it was really, I mean, it was bad. Like if, if we're being honest and, um, you know, he won, it was one of those deals where somebody has to win and, and he won and, uh, you know, he went online the next day and uh, he was like, I won my roast battle. I'm undefeated. You know, who wants to, you know, talking all this shit. So I was like, I'll battle you. And, uh, you know, because I was like, oh, maybe he can get me in. I never realized that getting in was as easy as just asking. Yeah, hey, Moses. <laughs> the next Literally, day? all I had to do was be like, hey, I want to do this thing. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we battled. And then uh, I just I loved it so much that I haven't stopped. Yeah, it really is an amazing show. And uh you know, July twenty fourth, the road to roast battle. So, man, how about that, dude? You're gonna you're gonna be on Comedy Central. Spoiler alert: killing it. Uh, well, I just you know, as Steven Seagal said in Under Siege two, uh, chance favors the prepared mind. I I love I love that phrase. That's probably the smartest thing Seagal's ever said. Well, that's not hard to believe if you <laughs> followed his stuff. I've never seen a guy have such a good start to a film career and just like, just each. Can we talk about you and not Steven Seagal real quick? Because I was at the roast battle taping. Please, and, please um, do. Although I am an action movie guy. Okay. Well, if, if you could find a way to talk about yourself and insert like a, like a John McClane reference, you know, go for it. Um, but I, I love, I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm a big fan. Thank you. Um, and you do this super humble thing all the time. You're not good at taking compliments. You deflect them all. Uh, and, uh, I, I just, I, I, I have to say I was at the taping. I've been at your last few battles. You command that room. Like nobody I've ever seen. 
Uh, it's the equivalent of the you know the Beatles stepping off of the plane and all the the screaming teeny bopper girls are there. Oh, I wish there was girls uh, in the belly room. Yeah, well the the girl the, it's yeah. You 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 didn't exactly luck out on that one. Um, what you are to a bunch of like middle aged fat disgusting hipster comics is what Bieber is to yeah. to girls that you that you would want to fuck. But I am humble because, like, when I see your guys battle, uh, you and Keith's battle last week. There you go again, changing the subject. But it's true, though. I don't think I could do a triple overtime, uh, (laughs) just bonanza battle without one dud. I would definitely have. If I ever do go to a triple overtime, I would have a dudder. That was also, like, just really the right set of circumstances. The crowd was perfect. Um, That was our fourth try at doing the battle. And if it happened any of the first three dates that we planned on, it probably wouldn't have worked out that well. That was, was a hot crowd. Uh, super hot crowd. And, you know, we had usually when I take a battle, like I, I haven't even thought about roasting the person before. So I literally have like just a, a few weeks to write everything with Keith. We had been talking about that for a year. So we had time to just, uh, you know, perfect it. Uh, it was just one of those like stars aligning kind of things. And uh, it was it was incredible. And my next one probably won't be as good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to be tough to. Uh, it's like Kiss doing an acoustic song after rock and roll all night. It's just it's, I mean, it's, I don't know how you top it. But, you know, people were saying that about uh, the Jay Light battle. Uh, was it a co- about a month ago? Keith and Jay. Uh, yeah. Keith's. Uh, you know, I think he brings out the best in people. He absolutely does because th- two things: number one, he's amazing at what he does, and number two, he gives you a lot of angles to work with. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of angles. But he's also tough in that regard because he knows what's coming. He knows fat jokes are coming. He knows something about his mom. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, like he's a and he's a direct puncher. Like I'm a counter puncher. Right. I wait for the, like, I prefer to have people hit me and then I go off into my. You're world. unorthodox. I mean, you, you do something that, that nobody else does. I, I feel like all of us are doing variations of the same thing and you're, you're doing something just completely different. Well, I uh, have to, though. I can't let my ego get in the way, uh, you know, like whenever we battle, you know, it's like Warrior and Hogan. It's just <laughs> two forces colliding. I can't sit there and go, I'm going to try and outright him. Like, I can't. So I have to go. I have to do the whole bells and whistles, wrestling entrance, get the crowd going, make fun of the autistic kid, (laughs) you know, talk shit to the judges. So I deflect a lot of my... I think you have to know your strong point. Absolutely. It's strategy, man. Like, you know... Yeah. you're what what you do because as much as you talk about like oh i could never do what you do uh that feeling is super mutual because i'm not about to start wearing shiny pants uh i'm not about to like enter through like the judges section and spit water all over the crowd like i would look like a fucking clown if i attempted that and i know that uh so yeah you got you got to know your strengths and and weaknesses and, and prepare accordingly yeah, I mean, I think people look at what I do as almost cheating to a degree. Like you're kind of getting a laugh in before it's just even started. Uh, but uh, nah, man, there's there's you just got to be prepared. If we ever battled, I, I would I would be ready to counter 
all your shenanigans? Oh, I have no doubt. Uh, you know, and I would uh, try and not match your writing, but just I just write the best you can, so the gap's not that wide, and then. Hopefully, uh, you know, whatever theatrics I could come up with would, uh, you know, overcome, you know, the edge that you have in writing. But you know what? It's it's like, uh, you know, if you're a basketball fan, like up until this year no, or last year, nobody had done what the Warriors did, which is just bomb three pointers on everybody. Uh, you know, shots that were you know, uh, statistically speaking, bad shots, when you have two of the best shooters of all time, they become good shots. Right. So, you know, you, you, you evaluate the strengths of your team and then, you know, write a game plan accordingly. Absolutely. And roast battles the same way. Roast battles, just like sports. I, I really think if you're into sports, uh, you, you have a big advantage in roast battle in terms of strategy. Well, I equate it very much to the UFC or just MMA in general, yeah. I guess, because it's very, you know, like this Saturday, there's a huge fight, Mark Hunt and Brock Lesnar, and you can't find two more opposite styles of one's a great wrestler, one's uh, an animal with power, uh, and it's whoever implements that plan first will win. Yeah. Uh, you know, that fight literally can only go one of two ways. Lesnar gets him down and just smothers him to death, or Hunt just knocks him out. Uh, there's no third option. Right. So I think he roast battles a lot like that. Like, uh, you know, it, without giving away too much, like if I were battling you and thinking, I, you know, I'm not going to fluster him. You know, you're unflusterable. You just are. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's even if I land the mother of all uh, miscarriage jokes, yeah. she's going to be like, you know, all right, well, look at your fucking head, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. There are certain subjects where like you, you almost have to have a rebuttal ready um, because it's, it's really tough to get hit with something that's deeply personal and then come back and be like, oh yeah, well your glasses make yeah. you look stupid. You know that's gonna that's gonna fall fall flat, but um, yeah, I, that's why. But the thing is, you don't even need like super crazy, insane rebuttals. Like, um, it's almost like uh, to to make like a baseball comparison. Uh, you know, when you're swinging for the fences, it's really hard to hit home runs. Right. But if somebody grooves a fastball and you just put a nice swing on it, they're supplying the power. Uh, so all you have to do is put a, a nice swing on it, and like. To what I'm trying to say is like when Jay Light battled Doug Fager, uh, Jay Light had a killer joke about Doug's brother and Doug came back and said, uh, you know, my brother dying was the hardest thing I've ever gone through until I watched you do 15 minutes of stand up. <laughs> and like, that's not super clever or creative, but it blew up the room because it's like, OK, you know, he he took a shot at you and you fired right back. You know, you stared down the barrel of that gun and, you know, you. You came back at him. So I, I just, I, I think you have to, you got, you got to be ready to counter punch. Yeah. I mean, that's my battle with Keith. It was just a one rounder, but you, you know, uh, and you had uh, been an advisor on that uh, battle. Right. In 20 minutes. I was asking anyone who was near me, hey, dude, help me out. Help I wrote a really good joke for you. And before I gave it to you, I was like, oh, I'm battling Keith in a few months. Fuck it. I'm keeping it for myself. No, no. I Listen. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I was like, that one's too good. Yeah, no. I'll I give mean, him the scraps. Uh, well, I, I don't know if I write jokes about the other person. <coughs> I think I just do all rebuttals for the most part. Uh, because it's it's. I think that's easier for me. Like, you know, I look at you now 
good looking dude. You know, I, you're successful. You're funny. Don't it's like, butter me up. <laughs> no, but it's true though. Right. Like I, I, I will only battle people I like and respect as comics and humans. Uh, so I, I guess it would be easier for me to roast someone I didn't like. Uh, I don't know. I did that. I did that one time and I hated it. I mean, can we ask who it was? Yeah. And it's not, it's not even like I, I dislike him now. We didn't know each other. So I was going just by like feel it was Luke Schwartz. Okay. And we had to battle in the first round of the tournament. And I had battled people that I, I didn't know before. And I, I asked him like, Hey, let's go out and grab a beer and just exchange info about each other so we could put on a good show. And uh, Luke just wasn't really into it. He wasn't really cooperative. He didn't even seem like he wanted to do the battle. He just struck me as somebody who was like, uh, he was just like an asshole. And if you ask Luke, he'll tell you, he's like, yeah, I'm an asshole. So I don't think I'm breaking any ground right. here. Like, No, he, you are not. He, that's that's his personality. Great it, guy, though. Yeah, I've gotten to know him and I, I, I like him. I like him a lot. But at the time I was like, fuck this dude. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're trying to put on a show and like he doesn't even want to, you know, I it, it bothered me. And um, it was the only time I ever went into a battle. Like when I go into battle, somebody like I, re- I really like and respect, like you don't even think about winning and losing. You're just like, I'm just going to go out there and do my best and I might lose. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And we're just going to put on a show. But when you battle somebody you don't like, it just becomes like, I can't lose. I have to beat this guy. I can't lose to this guy. And really, you have no control over that. You can't control whether or not you win or lose. You can control how well you do. But so much of it is out of your your reach. And like my battle with Luke was maybe the worst one I ever had. Um, And I think that was one of the reasons. I think I went in like trying not to lose instead of trying to put on a great show. Well, I mean, the the uh, judging in roast battle can be uh, every now and then can be pro wrestling like. Yeah. Uh, you know, like in my battle with Joe Dosh, I start. Yeah, I was under the assumption that uh, the judges weren't voting, so I thought, oh, my strategy was I'll talk shit to every judge, get the crowd on my <laughs> side, and I'll win. Right. Uh, and then they went to the judges for votes. And uh, Eddie F was like, well, I was going to vote for you, dude. But fuck you. I'm going to vote for Joe. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, man. Yeah, that's definitely a, a risky strategy uh, that, uh, you know, going after the judges. I mean, you, you make it you make it look easy. But I'm the kind of guy, man, when I'm on stage, I tell my jokes. And then as soon as Moses is looking for a mic, I just hand him mine. I'm not going to go back and forth with the judges or uh, See, you know, the, the haters. Yeah, well, you're you're good at it. But. What would you say the overall success rate is of people going at the judges? I think it depends if the judges know them. Right. Uh, You know, like I think, and that almost might extend to the haters table too. Like uh, I think I could give Michael Costa shit, the Ovan, you know, certain other judges. And they're like, oh, it's Earl. We've known him for 15 years. Yeah, you've built up that cachet. Yeah, I think it, it really... If you don't know them, I think that's where it can get a little like, uh, you know, wacky, you, you know, like even with me and Joe DeRosa, we know each other. But, right. You know, me and Dosh might have crossed the line that. No, know, just, I mean, that was that was uh, uh, that was amazing. But um, I mean, we knew Joe enough to do that. Like, I think of course, certain uh, I've, I've only really seen it work once. And Cody Morley. Once went after uh, Chris Kattan. I've heard about that. I wasn't there for that night. It was great. It was much um, better than Cody's battle. And he would admit that. He was kind of bombing uh, yeah. on the battle. That's no big deal. Everyone bombs. Sure, sure. Uh, 
And then Chris Kattan, I don't think, got the – he just didn't get the show. Uh, and so Cody went after him, and it was – you know, he killed him. Doug Fager is really good at that, too. Oh, my God. Doug Fager has gone in a couple of judges and uh, just destroyed them. Um, but, you know, that 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 comes with, like, if that's what you're comfortable doing and you're good at it, that's great. But, like, all, all these new people doing undercards, and it's like it's your first battle, and you have you have shit to say to, like, Mike Lawrence or Tony Hinchcliffe like come on man you just gotta you gotta know your place like at the end of the day they're up there and you're on the stage and like you have a target you have a job right about that guy don't worry about what you're gonna say to Earl or to Tony or just don't worry about that because you see people preparing more for like oh before the battle I'm gonna say this and then if Earl says this I'm gonna say that and then if Tony said and then they forget to write jokes for the actual person and they end up looking like like an asshole you know so I, I try to avoid that I get on stage I tell my jokes and then I, I let all the uh the chaos go on around me see I like to create the chaos <laughs> you are yeah and then just you know I might have a stinker and people won't even remember it you, you, yeah, you do a great job of that. And, and when we battle, I, I will not try to out chaos you, but, but not I, my well, game, you know, I can't let my, uh, ego go, well, I'm just going to stay up here in my jeans and white t-shirt and I'm just going to walk in when the, and I'm going to outright Pat, I'm going to take him on joke for joke. I'd get killed if I did that. <laughs> so I, I guess to like wrap up roast battle talk, right. I, I think the key is. You know, know your strengths, play to them, and uh, know your weaknesses, and write those goddamn rebuttals. Agreed. Because like when I went up against Jesse Joyce, I can't outright him on roast jokes. Like he gets paid to do it. Sure. Uh, I mean, even that night, he came up with like six pages. It might have been the most anyone's ever written. And he did them all in one joke. <laughs> I know. It was well, very impressive. But I was petrified because everyone. That week was like, dude, you're not going to beat him. He's the number one guy. And he is. Like, you know, that next day he was writing for At Midnight jokes for, I think, Big Jay Okerson. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, you know, the stars aligned and uh, July 24th, uh, you know, and Jesse will be back. I mean, he's an amazing roaster. Uh, but I think, would you say this? Like, I think New York roasters, uh, and Jesse lives out here now, but I, I, would qualify him as a New York guy. Sure. Uh, they seem to be more long, not long-winded, but longer form. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because you're an East Coast guy, so maybe you know, like, is it, like, do they have, like, battle, not roast battles in Philly, but did they have a similar? They never did. I mean, I did a few, like, roasts in Philly before I moved, uh, just, like, local radio station roasts or, like, a, you know, a comic's moving, so we throw them a roast or, or whatever. But I think it's just, like, whatever form, like, the show takes. Like, uh, you know, by the time I got on stage at the Belly Room, like, it had already been established. Right. These are the rules. This is the, There's a lot of repeat business in the crowd. There's a lot of comics in the crowd. This is the style. This is how it works. Um, and if you're in New York, their style is it's completely different. I, I just think anytime you have any artistic endeavor, like it's going to be, you know, based on, you know, that region of of the country. I mean, you look at, you know, like East and West Coast, like like rap. You know, it's like different regions, uh, you know, have their own like sounds as far as, you know, music goes. So I, I don't I don't know why this would be, you know, any different. 
Um, but yeah, the first time I listened to a couple of New York battles, I was like, holy shit, this is Long. you would get you would get killed for that in the belly room. Well, when we did the New York Comedy Festival a year ago, roast battle, it's like every battle like took forever because it was like the jokes were like so multi. Uh, right. You keep tagging them. Well, that's what Jimmy Carr does the best. Like last year in Montreal, uh, you know, he would like do a joke and then tag it three or four times and they, they would just take forever, but they'd kill. Right. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't know if he's uh, doing the roast battle show in Montreal, but I mean, you know, now with TV constraints, it'll be interesting to see how he changes. I'm fascinated to see how the show uh, translates to, to television. Um, you know, I, I, of course, would would have loved to have been, uh, you know, a part of it. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I was at the taping and I thought, you know, a lot of people did very well and, um, I'm looking forward to it being a hit. I, I just, I, I, I really, I hope that it's able to translate the magic that I've been watching every Tuesday for the last couple of years. I, I, I hope that it, I think it will. I think it will. will. I mean, I think a lot of it, it. you know, uh, I think good jokes will carry the show. Agreed. Uh, you know, like Yo Mama went six seasons. <laughs> and that was, you know, and George Perez won Yo Mama. Sure. The first season. So, but I think ultimately what hurt that, sh- well, I mean, you know, six seasons is pretty good for anything. Yeah. Uh, but what hurt the show was the jokes after a while were like, not hacky, but it's like, okay, it's a little long in the tooth. You right. Know? Uh, but got, you got to evolve. Yeah, I mean, roast battle, the writing, the, the like you said, the top 30 people, you know, 28 could upset number two. I mean, it's very feasible. Absolutely. But, uh, Any given Sunday. Yeah. Now, know? how do you, I know I said we were going to end roast battle talk 10 minutes ago, but <laughs> like you take it's, someone like Frank Castillo, he's like, uh, I think he said he had 15 battles so far. Like, yeah, it's easier to uh, like to me, like. Like, I've had seven battles, so the jokes on me are still fresh. You could do whatever, a family joke, uh, my love of young women, uh, and it's still, oh, that's fresh. We have, like, how do you battle, like, someone like Frank, where every Mexican joke's been done, hairline jokes have been done, you know, uh, I mean. I just try to write the best ones that have ever been done there. I mean, that's, that's all. How do you do that? Like, like. uh, You hold yourself to, like, a ridiculously high standard. And you write a joke and you're like, is this the best Mexican joke anyone's used against Frank? No? Then back to the drawing board. Like for Alex Hooper. And of course, that's probably, I'm guessing that could be your next battle. But uh, I don't know. Hooper's got one lined up. Uh, him and Jay Light are going at it in August. I would love to just call winner like it was a pickup right. basketball game. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. Um, I but think I, you are. After your last battle, I think you have carte blanche. <laughs> well, they got they got to be on board too. So I got I got to talk to them. But um, yeah, if I battled Hooper, look, Hooper is he he he's a fucking weird looking dude. So like it, he's a weird looking. I'm not going to go up there and pretend that he's not a weird looking dude. I'll say something about that. It would be ins- Earl. It would be insane of me to battle Alex Hooper. And not talk about the dry his skin, looks, the, hair, the dry skin, the voice, the eyelids, the uh, yeah, whatever. And I love Alex. I'm not talking shit. I of mean, course, like, no, Alex is he's tremendous. But and I'm sure he would he would tell you the same thing. Like if if somebody went up against me and they didn't make like a fat joke or like a dead dad or whatever the the most right. you know uh, covered territory is like it's covered for a reason. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I wouldn't, I would be doing a disservice to the public if I battled Alex Hooper and didn't call him ugly. (laughs) (laughs) See, I like to take the opposite approach. If someone has a, a very uh, prominent either feature or uh, personality trait, because it's like facing a fastball pitcher and you're waiting for that fastball. And the first pitch is a curveball. Second pitch is a screwball, if anyone throws that anymore. <laughs> you know, third pitch is a knuckleball. You could do Phil Negro fans. Uh, and then you're like, where's the fastball? It's coming. And I think that fucks with people's heads. Did it ever occur to you that I'm throwing a knuckleball right now? It's, it's, it's and Alex big. Hooper is writing rebuttals to my ugly jokes that I don't even intend right. on writing. Yeah, well, it's possible. Anything's po- like the shit's you know. chess. It ain't checkers. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> uh, you know, like I think in in my one round battle with Keith, I don't think I did a fat joke till the end. Right. Uh, I, well, I did maybe an indirect one where, I, uh, you know, I don't know if that you know. I think Keith was waiting for. Uh, he's going to call me fat. He's going to call me fat, and it just it never came till the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, same thing with uh, Olivia. Like she was. Uh, I think waiting for an acting that, joke. That's the most frustrating thing in roast battle. When, you, when write, you write a killer rebuttal and then they get to go last and by sheer chance, you don't get to use the rebuttal. There's nothing more frustrating than when that happens. Now I, up until recently, I like, you know, I'm, I'm certainly anything but a bully. Like, but I like to dictate the pace of the battle. Like, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but, you know, I'll say it. I like it when the other person goes first. And it's risky because you take the chance of them landing a, a, a you know, a bomber. And then, you know, uh, you got a lot of work to do. But I just love to be able to do a rebuttal first. Well, it's a big part of your game. Yeah, I no, I, I get it. I, I prefer to go last. Do you? So you can land that because even as you're thinking, even if they land a home run line, I get to rebut it. Yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, against Keith, like specifically, I before the first round, before Moses even asked who wants to go first, I said, I'm going first. And I grabbed the mic and then I, we got to choose again in the second round and I volunteered again, all because I wanted to go last in round three. Because I knew he was going to close with a miscarriage joke and I knew I had a killer rebuttal ready. And I didn't want to chance like leaving that on the shelf. It turns out I went first in every single round. Um, it's just how it ended up working out. But um, yeah, I, 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 you know, ultimately, like if, if I have a, a killer rebuttal ready, uh, I, I want to make sure I, I get a chance to use it. Right. Like yeah. I, I think one of the best recent examples of going last was uh, Alex Duong and Nick. Uh, and I'm not saying it because I was a part of the... Oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot about this. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Nick had uh, dated Olivia before me, mm-hmm. and Alex's joke was something along... And it was luck <laughs> because Nick's f- final joke was something about Alex's credit uh, mm-hmm. in that Asian movie. Or Asian TV show, uh, the ship, uh, last ship, yeah. where he played a, uh, I think a prisoner of war, and I forget Nick's joke, but it was something along the line of you know, your only credit is this shitty TV show, and it just opened up like, uh, <laughs> like the offensive line just. <laughs> 
<laughs> open up the biggest hole and Alex's last joke, last joke of the battle. So there was no chance for Nick to rebut it was, uh, well, your only credit is opening up for Earl and Olivia's pussy. Unbelievable. And, uh, it was just like, and it was boy. It was like, wow. Uh, and even if Nick was going last, I don't know how you. Re- I mean, I guess every joke has a rebuttal potential. Sometimes you don't have one. Uh, yeah, I did that. That was one of those situations where the the gods were just smiling on on Alex. Yeah, just play. You couldn't have asked for a like. If I was sitting on that joke. Uh, I would have probably done it first because, like, I gotta get this joke out. I get like, I get nervous, like, super nervous. So, I tend to go to my better jokes first. That's the few I write. Uh, but I guess there's pros and cons to going first or last. Yeah, and and sometimes you know you don't even put that much. Th- I a year ago I was way more into the strategy of it, and now I'm just sort of like you know, uh, as long as I have good jokes, the rest will will work itself out. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's probably the best advice for the TV show for battles next week. I mean, I think at the end of the day, good jokes win. Yep. Um, so, you know, you future roast battlers out there, one, it ain't as easy as it looks. So if you see someone bombing on Periscope, going, I could do that. Oh, the fucking Periscope people. They're animals. Look, I don't, I don't want to make any any Periscope enemies because they they seem like complete insane people. Um, but like, I go back and I I, I watch, and you know, it's, to their credit, like if you do something that they really like, uh, they they're effusive with their praise. You know what I mean? Like they don't they don't universally say like, oh, this, this stinks. That's like, if they like something, they will let you know that they like it. And, uh, I, I, I appreciate the authenticity of them, but sometimes, man, man, you're on there. And the, these people are just like shitting on stuff. That's decent. And I don't think they realize just how hard it is. It's really, yeah. You know, I've been doing comedy 11 years and it's by far the most difficult thing. Well, that, yeah, that I've I mean, done. it's uh, it's the feedback's instant. Uh, there's no time to. I mean, you can go to mics and and run your jokes, but it's not the same. No, you know, it's uh, just the energy in that room is uh, very. You know, for you wrestling fans out there, and I know this will strike a chord with Pat, given that he walked by my framed Sandman. <laughs> uh, it's very ECW like in that room. Very. I, I've always equated it to ECW. Because uh, it's small, it's like you know, possibly uh, one or two over capacity. Uh, you know, possibly. I'm just saying, possibly. Uh, I'm assuming the fire marshal isn't listening to this. Uh, and it's just the energy is just it's it's amazing. And uh, it's like you walk up those stairs to the belly room. It's like the old Chicago Stadium where the Blackhawks would have to walk upstairs to get to the rink and you get that like it's just the best energy in the world but when you don't do well high risk high reward yeah and that's what's so great about the show is uh you know I wouldn't say it's the reason I'm past at the store but I think it helped sure uh you know and you hate it for a bit too yeah dude I I love I love the hating it it it's a it's a real big bummer to me that they uh, they eliminated the second uh, haters chair. You know, uh, I get it. I get. And if if I'm looking at it objectively, I can't I can't even say that it's a bad move. Um, but man, did I enjoy doing that? Well, it's uh, 
it's it's a different uh, art form than at the actual roasting, uh, you know, because it's like you have to it's you have to have. I almost think even more better timing hating than you do roasting. A thousand percent. It's it's you're a sniper. Yeah, yeah. You the way you put it in the article last week was you you, you c- couldn't put it any better. You, you have to sniper. But you can't empty out your clip. That's yeah. That's which a, I do a lot. <laughs> I empty out early. And, yeah. And so, then, sometimes you sometimes you do, but like just knowing, like I have a, a a one second window to throw this thing in there and not disrupt the flow of the show, um, and it better be funny. Oh yeah, because it better. <laughs> when it goes silent in that room, oh, like, I think I had a line last night that didn't work, and it was just like, "Oh God, someone say something!" Just anyone, Meyerwitz, take your shirt off or something, <laughs> deflect. Uh, but you were great at. Everyone was great at it, and mm-hmm. you guys all did different. Uh, you know, I think you and Omid were maybe a little more uh, along like my lines of like you know say out say a line and then. Uh, in and out yeah keith and uh connor were and cena or the saudi prince were a little more uh i I mean this in a complimentary way aggressive yep uh and then tom goss was probably the shyest uh, but uh you know he he killed uh you know everyone did great so and uh so there's believe me there's plenty of nights i wish i had a partner well, who knows? Maybe, maybe someday. We'll you never know. I mean, uh, I didn't know I was hating the night of the Comedy Central taping till that day. So uh, I think it's still. Uh, I think after Montreal, they're going to be like, okay, well, this worked, this didn't. You sure, know. it's it's a fluid you know situation. Anytime you have like a a, a thing that you're uh, is, is brand new to like the majority of the world, there's going to be trial and error. So, you know, I get that. And I would always tell people the haters. Uh, is the first thing cut when the show goes to TV because it's just you know, you know TV. That's a very you know you know I don't have to tell you you're on one of the biggest fucking shows right now. Uh, <laughs> th- there's a time uh, crunch, you know. So I think the the feeling was well, you know Earl and whoever's with him, they're great, but we got 44 minutes. Yep. To get through two battles, you know the judges takes the the wave and and their greatness and any uh periphery uh, banter that you know Jimmy Carr is going to have with Hinchcliffe or you know whatever so we there's no room for one let alone two voices a lot of great shit will hit the cutting room cutting room floor you know that's just that's the nature of the beast oh yeah but uh you know some will be brought back uh you know who knows uh i mean i think after montreal rospel is going to get even bigger I, yeah, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm I'm really uh more than anything, man. I'm just I'm happy for for Moses and for you. And um, you know, you you two have been there like the the whole way, just like putting in so much work with no no guarantee of this ever happening. Well, I mean, the way TV worked, but see, I like I'm happy for guys like you, like you know. You, you know, we all get to show. It's been beneficial for for a lot of people. It's it's changed my life. It really has. I, I think people, especially people back home uh, or people who have never been to the show, don't understand why I hold it in such high regard. It's not just like a fun show. Like the show has literally changed my life and and given me you know opportunities that I, I would have never had. And uh, on top of that, it's a really it's a fun show. 
That's why, like, I have no intention of of stopping. Uh, this breaking news right now, breaking news in the UFC world, John Jones is out of the title fight. Oh. Uh, a, I don't like to interrupt any of Shit, no, 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 no. That's... Uh, breaking news, Dateline. Uh, wow. Uh, Las Vegas. Uh, UFC president Dana White announced UFC heavyweight, light heavyweight champion John Jones is out of UFC 200 after being flagged for a potential anti-doping violation. Wow. That's- See, but that's 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 the great thing about UFC. And we, we've been talking about this a lot in the office because uh, if, if anybody, I assume this podcast is going to get posted tomorrow. This will be, uh, and uh, tell the name of the show you were. I mean, I, I know we've just said Bill Simmons. Yeah, uh, it's, it's called Any Given Wednesday. Um, and it airs every Wednesday, um, hence the name. And uh, the, the show that we aired tonight, uh, we taped yesterday, and uh, we had Joe Rogan, of course, the great you know Joe Rogan comic, UFC commentator. He came on, and we did uh, an extended interview with him and a piece on UFC 200. And you know, in doing research for the piece, I, I did a lot of uh, you know studying of like UFC pay per view buys and everything like that. And just the growth of that company is is outrageous. And the thing that's crazy about it is, you know, they're they're not. It's it's not about the individuals. Like they're doing crazy pay per view buys every pay per view, regardless of who's there. Now some people are are you know at a higher level than others, but people watch. UFC because of UFC. I mean, I'm the, well, yeah, I mean, I'm probably not the, uh, see, I watch it for the actual individual fighters, but I like those heavyweight blobs. But, but, but what I'm, what I'm saying is like, okay. Um, so the top eight boxing pay-per-views of all time, all featured Mike Tyson or Floyd Mayweather. If you don't have Tyson or Mayweather in selling your pay-per-view, you're not going to do big numbers. The top eight UFC pay-per-views of all time, Lesnar is the only guy who appears in more than one. Right. So they're they're able to get people to be loyal to the brand. I would agree with that. Uh, so that's the kind of thing where it's like, if, if in any other organization, if one of the major stars is pulled like two days before the event, it changes everything. Like if, if you pull like Tom Brady out of the Super Bowl, like that it's, it's, it, it's going to affect the game to such a degree. Sure. But like at UFC, it's like, they'll pull him out. Will, will the card suffer? Probably, but will it still do crazy numbers and will people still enjoy it? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I, but someone will step up. I guarantee you some, Crazy light heavyweight will be like, fuck it, I'll take the fight on two days now. Of course. It's a great opportunity. I mean, wow, I'm trying to think who... uh, And that's why a lot of those guys train year-round so they can be ready. uh, They'll be an instant hero. Because that's a big... uh, That was the main event? Uh, I thought Lesnar was... No, Lesnar... Well, before Lesnar got signed on, it was Jones Cormier and then Tate Nunes. Right. Right. Lesnar came out the great Lenny Dykstra. This is uh, <laughs> uh, audio only podcast, but uh, I have the TV running uh, at all times. And uh, Lenny Dykstra looking a little green around the gills. Lenny Dykstra, uh, you know, forever has a place in my heart because of the 93 uh, Phillies. But he, what a piece of shit. Um, but anyway, no, yeah, UFC, like they're, they're, they're going to be fine. Somebody will step up and uh, somebody will take that fight and, uh, it might not be as good, but like they're 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 going to be all right. Like you know, they were supposed to have McGregor. I think wasn't McGregor originally yeah, supposed to be on two hundred? Diaz and Diaz. Uh, well, McGregor full retired, and then I think he came back, and then 
Diaz was like, well, I want more money, you know. And one, one other thing, like, uh, you know, he he's out, uh, I think it said due to like a, like a doping thing. Yeah. It, props to UFC for actually like sticking with that, because yeah. I would imagine they could probably cover that up and go about their business. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they don't, they're sticking to their guns. They're, they're, you know, kicking them out. Well, I had a friend who fought in the, uh, strike force and, uh, he, uh, I miss those strike force bouts on CBS with uh, the great Gus Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, who I, he was just a UFC fan. I don't know how much he knew about the sport, but I appreciated his, uh, <laughs> exuberance in the, uh, fight. Sure. Uh, but you know, I just think that my buddy said that if they want you to pass, you will pass. And I think Jones has burned some bridges with the UFC. Um, so I think if he was a little more of a company guy. Interesting. Uh, they might have found a way for this to uh, at least fly under the radar till July 10th. <laughs> yeah. that I mean, that's what you see a lot of times. Like uh, somebody will get busted for doping after the fact. Right. Um, so uh, I'm sure uh, that, I mean, that's wow. It's bra- That's literally breaking news here at Inappropriate Earl. Uh, and it's fitting that we have a, a great sportsman. Uh, did you see the Philadelphia Flyers documentary? Uh, I have not. Which which one? The Broad Street Bullies? Yes. I, um, did, I didn't like it, but, you know, if you didn't see it. I yeah no 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 spoilers. I know they beat the shit out of a lot of people. They did, but they didn't show basically uh, without uh, spoiling it for you. Uh, well, I'll put it this way: uh, mm-hmm. without spoiling, it. I just watched the Twisted Sister documentary on Netflix. Uh, I'm assuming you're not a Twisted Sister guy. Uh, no, it's, it's all good though. <laughs> not my thing. I listen that I don't play. I have the worst taste in music. I even admit it. Uh, <laughs> my iPod has been stolen twice. Return to me both times. <laughs> now I'm doing material. Uh, but they did a two and a half hour documentary, which I thought was a little long. <laughs> it was definitely not needed. But they did their, you know, the beginning of their career, their height, and then they just stopped. And they didn't show the end, which I was more interested in. And that's kind of what the Philly documentary was about was, you know, they, they showed when the Flyers were shitty, you know, then they got Dave Schultz and DuPont and, uh, you know, all these just Matt, Bob Kelly. Uh, and then they didn't show how it ended, which I find to be even more fascinating because that the ending was based over a fight. Yeah. You know, when Clark Gillies, uh, I think he fought Paul Holmgren. Okay. And Clark Gillies didn't fight a lot because he didn't have to. And that's when the Islanders won four cups because Clark Gillies said, there's a new bad guy in town. And that, I think, broke Philly's spirit. So how did they end it? Just kind of after the cup runs. and Because if you don't win the cup, you can't end it on coming in second place. I No, yeah, I mean, I get, I get that they wanted to do a... Uh, a happy go uh, or like uh i but i just i like the full story like with twisted sister you know they they struggle for 10 years they got huge for like a couple years and then uh you know prettier bands came in like bon jovi and 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 their last album was really a d snyder solo album but the record company said uh we're not calling it d snyder album we're gonna call it Twisted Sister, right? So they never even played on it. So, but they didn't even get into that. 
I, I, I just think it's an interesting. Yeah, I, I know. I know painfully little about the Broad Street Bullies. I, I need to read up on that because that was a little bit before my time. Um, I did do a show with Dave Schultz one time. And how was that? Uh, it was awful. Any, <laughs> any <laughs> I like your honesty. Anytime you did, I did a show with him. I did a show with Vince Papali, uh, the subject of Invincible. Yes. Um, you know, and these guys, uh, you know, after their uh, you know, athletic careers, they get into comedy. Oh. Um, and you you know how that goes a lot Not of times. Well. Yeah, but. Um, the thing with both of those guys specifically is that they weren't really doing comedy. They were doing like this weird, like motivational speaking. Um, and the Vince Papa, like the Dave Schultz one was fine. Uh, he, he just did a few minutes like in the middle, right. but the Vince Papali one, they had him open and he just went up and he, he basically told the story of invincible and he told about like believing in yourself and working hard. And like, he got a standing ovation at the end and then he was like and now your first comedian pat baker ah. <laughs> and i just went up there and i just ate shit it was it was brutal uh it was really really bad um because how can i you know this guy's talking about conquering uh, you know all your all your de- like your fears and and beating the odds and i'm up there like what's the deal with airplane food or whatever you know so uh yeah i any anytime they want to book me for a show with non-comedians now i'm like ah, I'll, I'll take a pass and then did you bring up jack rydell to close out the show <laughs> shout out to jack rydell philly jack in the house uh, F- philly philly jack we did comedy uh for for 10 years together in philly uh, although we never met each other right. until they, we, we got out here listen uh you know that's another ships podcast. crossing in the night right? it's another podcast <laughs> uh, but so like when you like my first sports experiences as a kid were actually being a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers because my dad was friends with the owner. So we would get these game used Super Bowl balls every year signed by the team, like nine Hall of Famers on that. Team. Sure. Yeah. What's these steel fucking, curtain, man? I mean, I, th- th- if there was a salary cap back then, their, their, you know, hit would have been, you know, $300 million payroll. I mean, you had nine Hall of Famers, basically half your starters were fucking. Yeah. I don't know if you'll ever see that again. Those teams were incredible. Uh, I mean, like even the Edmonton Oilers had like, yeah, I think they ended up with like five Hall of Famers, which is a lot. Islanders too, but uh, I don't think you'll ever see a team. You couldn't because of a salary cap now have uh, half the team will be in the hall. Uh, right. But like, so the Steelers were like my first like team I lobbed onto, even though I was in LA. What was your first I'm assuming it's Eagles, Phillies. No, I I I hate the Eagles. <laughs> I I never I never got into the Eagles um, because I, I Eagles fans are just generally awful people. Um, Why is that? Because I've never understood uh, the uh, like. I know there's the famous when Michael Irvin got hurt, they cheered. Yeah, like yep. a little more like exuberantly than uh, other sports teams. They threw uh, the snowballs at Santa Claus. Sure. What, why do you think it's just the city? Like- I'm going to I'm going to give you my theory cuz it's not exclusive to Philadelphia. Like people are animals in Boston and New York and Chicago and all those kind of but it, it, fucked up shit happens at all those places. Philly is the one that everybody, you know, that's the go-to reference. But here's the thing, you're from LA, right? Yep. Living in LA, I'm so much more relaxed than I ever was on the East Coast. I, I, the way I always put it, it's really tough to have two bad days in a row out here because you have a bad day and you go to bed and you wake up 
and it's 80 degrees in January and you can go swimming and there's palm trees and it just keeps you calm. The yeah, weather is so perfect. It's so beautiful. The scenery, everything like that. You feel like you're on, you're on vacation. When you live in Philadelphia, 10 months out of the year, the weather sucks. Five months, it's way too hot. It's humid. It's, it's muggy. It's brutal. Five months out of the year, it's snowing. It's icy. It sucks. You get one month of spring, one month of fall where the weather is actually nice. So, you know, like 80% of the time, the weather sucks. So, you can't go out and do many things. You can't go to the park. You can't go on a picnic or especially during football season. So there's your entertainment options are limited. So you latch in, you put entirely too much energy and you invest way too much emotionally into a football team because it's all you have during those winter months. It's the only thing that's going to get you through is sitting there and watching the Eagles every Sunday. And then on top of that, the Eagles suck. They've always sucked, right? They get just good enough to get your hopes up and then they suck. They never win the Super Bowl. So now you have people who are already miserable, who are putting all of their emotional energy not into leading fulfilling lives and pursuing their their dreams or, or going hiking or whatever. They're putting all of their energy into something that they have no control over, which is a football team. And then the team disappoints them every year. So now you become angry. You become miserable. So now you go to the game and pent up frustration comes out, whether it's in the form of snowballs or batteries or beer bottles or whatever they throw. And, uh, you know, I think that's what it ultimately boils down to. I think these people have put way too much of their energy. And this is coming from a guy who loves sports more than anything. But these Eagles fans specifically have invested way too much of their lives into the Eagles. And I think they wouldn't be so angry if they if they just invested some of that emotional energy into other things. I, I agree with that because I used to be like that when the Kings would lose or when, you know, I'd have hot chicks, you know, wanting to hit the bone zone. But if the Kings lost, I'd be like, ah, I'm just going to stay in. I'm good. Like, uh, oh, I had I had a knife, uh, a night my wife will never let me forget ever. It was 2011. I had tickets to see the Phillies play the Cardinals in the playoffs. And uh, one of her friends was getting married in South Carolina. So I had to sell my tickets. We went down to South Carolina. So I was already like in a, you know, a little bit of a mood and we're in South Carolina and it was the night of the rehearsal dinner. It was game five of the series. After the rehearsal dinner, we watched the game at the bar. The Phillies lost one to nothing. And on the final play, Ryan Howard one of our best players tore his Achilles. So the game ends with them losing one nothing. The season's over. Howard's sprawled out on the ground, screaming in pain. The Cardinals are celebrating in uh, on our field and everything like that. And I was so mad. And my, you know, my wife at the time, my girlfriend, you know, tried to like cheer me up. We went back to the hotel room and I didn't want anything to do with anything. Yeah. Uh, and and to this day, she's like, you were such a dick that night. She will never let me forget that. And she's right. I was way too emotionally invested in, in something that I had no control over. Yeah. I don't know why. Why do you like, I know when the Kings won the Stanley cups, uh, the last couple of years, it's like, I felt like I did something like I, I didn't help them do anything. <laughs> sure. You did. Not really. I didn't put a puck in the net. I mean, I put a lot of pucks in the net <laughs> with my very many ball I hockey. I see trophies. this man. Look at all these trophies. It really impresses. If the I chicks. if I could paint a picture, imagine you're at Wayne Gretzky's house. That's what I feel like right now. 
Yeah, but hockey trophies everywhere. But he's got Stanley Cups, Conn Smythe Awards. I've got uh, Copper Division, ball hockey. Yeah, it's, you know, big. I appreciate the, you're too nice to me. I think you're buttering me up for the kill. No, 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 no. You just say, I, I hate when you do your overly humble thing. It really, it's just the way I was raised. Uh, and I, in, in all honesty, it's a great way to be. It's because, an awesome way to be. But, uh, you know, give yourself some credit. Because go, going back to Roast Battle for two seconds, I think my favorite thing about that show is uh, people who either haven't done it and think they can kill because they saw their unfunny buddy from com- you know comedy school do it. <laughs> that will humble anybody. It's a humbling show. But, I mean, it will humble headliners. It will humble, uh, you know, cocky Roast Battle people. You know, it will just, it's humbled me many times, you know, bombing at the haters table or, uh, you know, uh, you know, losing to, you know, Whitney Rice. That was very humbling. None of us are above a good ass kicking. But it, it, that's what I think strives people like you and Omid and, and, and Connor and Keith and Hooper. Like, it's that fear of failure. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that, and that's the fun part of it because once you've been doing stand, how long you've been doing stand up? Sixteen years Six, in the jungle. Sixteen years, so I'm I'm at like eleven and change, and after a while, you know what jokes work, and you know what jokes, you know, you know, you you generally have an idea what to expect, and there's no fear, there's no butterflies, there's just not. You're going out there and doing jokes that you've done a hundred times, and you know they work, and you know whatever. When you go to roast battle, like literally anything can happen, and like you just get your your stomach starts turning, and like you you just get like anxious and amped up, and you just you can't. It's the same way. Like some people like to go skydiving. I would imagine. Absolutely. You know, like I'm not into that extreme sports kind of shit. Like, um, but uh, you know, people people do that. People thrill seek, and to me, roast battle is very much that same kind of deal. But I think the thing is, like, you know, you could go to a, you know, wherever you're performing tonight, you know, stand up, and you're probably never going to see most of those people ever again in your life. So even if you bomb, it's like, hey, you know. Sure. I'm never going to see them again. That's the great thing about Rose Battle. It's if you bomb, you're going to see everyone the next week. I know. Yeah. Plus new people. It, it, it holds you accountable. And with Periscope, it's like that's another added, like, now, per- uh, Periscope's only up for 24 hours, so even if you bomb or kill, uh, you know, it's only up there for a limited time. But, um, you know, uh, it's it's just that show. I, it, I get more nervous doing that show than any comedy show I've ever, ever done in my life. So. Oh, I would much rather go do a, a stand-up set in front of 20,000 people uh, then, uh, in terms of nerves, I, it would be easier for me to do that than to do a roast battle in front of a 200. Well, because although I, we all love the show, I mean, you know, we're there every week, but, uh, I think there's a macabre sense of, yes, the crowd wants a good battle. They want to see you and Keith every week. Like just that level of just last night's battle was great. You know, uh, Dan and Leah, just two of the best. Yep. Um, you know, the Comedy Central taping, you know, I mean, that was like a WrestleMania of, of uh, roast battlers. And but there is that side of the crowd that doesn't mind if someone has a meltdown. 
you know, like the Alex joke that landed. Like, yes, they loved seeing Alex just blow up a amazing final joke, but they also, I think, liked looking at Nick going, yeah, suck it. Listen, uh, people, people enjoyed uh, seeing dudes get eaten by lions at like the Lou. Roman Coliseum. Lou, uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Is your Varum or Varam? I still don't know. Big fan of yours. I noticed he was corresponding with you. Uh, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Lou, Lou well. is a, Lou is a super good dude, and he's he's a hard worker. And um, yeah, I I'm 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 a fan of uh you know his attitude. I like his almost anti uh, comedy roasting style. Like he's like so in the pocket. No, no, I'm not giving him shit. <laughs> Anti-comedy on a show that's supposed to be funny. Uh, I don't see how you're not giving him shit. <laughs> no, but like he's he's got that like D'Onofrio full metal jacket look in his eyes. Like he's yeah. not, you know, aware and, and like. Oh, he blacks out. Yes, and, and it go. would it wouldn't surprise me at all if he just like comes to at Norm's at three in the morning. And is like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, yeah, he he has the eyes of a serial killer. He he blinks a lot. He's very intense. Um, yeah, he'll go after judges without really maybe being ready to do that yet. That was yeah, that's a bad move. You know, he Lou. went after me once, but I enjoyed it. Like this kid's got balls. He learns his lessons though. You know what I mean? Like he he's he's more perceptive than people give him credit for. He'll he'll do a dumb thing and then be like, well, that was a dumb thing, and I won't do it again. And that puts him light years ahead of a lot of people. I like I I like some of the weirder roasters because uh, it is a show at the end of the day about being entertaining. Yes, you want it to be funny and and great battles, but I like fascinated by like someone like Mark Stevens. Just it's got this wrestling gimmick of just only taking on women and then kissing them after the battles. So it's creepy, so fucking dude. creepy. But I, I I really respect anybody who can. Um, bring like a different element to it because it's really hard to do it uh, you do it omid does it omid writes jokes that like i i see i see them on paper or if somebody came to me ahead of time and they're like what do you think of this joke i would be like don't why would why would you do that and like he just has a way of making it perfect mike schmidt is another one he's a you know and that's what i love about this show is you've got like a guy like mike schmidt it's kind of you know what is he about in the top thirty or yeah somewhere somewhere around there uh, right around thirty but like he's a guy who we were like making an example of earlier like he could beat anyone in the top ten like absolutely uh, in the right like uh, you know just because everyone will have an off night he's got oh for sure and his jokes are brilliantly written and he takes a lot of risks and he has this like unorthodox style where a lot of people they fall into the same cadence where it's like. Earl something something so something something boom you know what I mean right. Mike Schmidt he plays with um, moving around on the stage he plays with like different tones of voice like I, I remember the one time uh, I think he was battling Eric Carter and he said uh, uh, Eric will never forget the time his fight and Eric is a dude from the south so that's why this works he's like Eric Deep South, yeah. Uh, Eric will never forget the time his father uh, gave him his first sex talk. It went like this, and he just like walks up to Eric, and he gets right next to his ear, like almost sensually, and he was just like, "Yeah, you like that, don't you?" And that was like the funniest, like dad fucking a kid joke that I'd ever heard, and it was just so like nobody else is taking those risks. But you do a similar thing, though. You're one of the few. <sighs> battlers 
who will kind of do that home run strut mm-hmm. over to the other. Not necessarily in their face, but like you will look. Oh, at I get the in person, their face sometimes. Yeah, and you, I, I, I direct, uh, I direct sometimes uh, to the person as opposed to to the crowd. Right. And I'm like, I'm the opposite. I don't look at the other person. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to see any reaction. I'm like staring off at like Meyerowitz or something. If I say something like really mean, I try to like direct it to him because I feel like it drives the point home and, uh, that's worked and it has, uh, it has also hurt me. Uh, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's, uh, you know, you can get away with murder in that room if the joke does well. It was against Leah. That was the one time, and I at said riot? at riot, and I said beforehand, "You can't get in her face. You can't direct something at her because you're gonna look like a fucking psychopath, like a misogynistic, like like yeah, like a lunatic." Because this is, uh, you know, because she, she, she's she's a woman, and Leah could take it. It's not like Leah was rattled by me doing it, but from the crowd's perception, it's like it, it's if if two dudes are battling and they're getting in each other's face, it's it's one thing, but like if I'm a guy. And I'm getting in Leah's face and I'm like, your fucking parents don't love you or whatever right. I said. People were like, whoa, dude, like we're all having fun here. You know, right. calm down. But if I did that to like Keith, people are like, oh, yeah, f- fuck him. His parents must hate him. Um, so it's just like a psychological thing. And I knew beforehand I said to myself, I was like, you can't do that thing you normally do where you get in their right. face. And then I did it. And uh, the crowd was like, why'd you do that? And I was like, I, I don't know. That was dumb. Well, I do think that's uh, an important thing to go over. Like, uh, I was cognizant of that, and that's a big word for me to say. <laughs> you nailed it. I, I did. I did nail the pronunciation. Uh, of like when I battled Olivia, ugh, now I can't say Olivia. <laughs> uh, when I battled Olivia on the same show, yeah, it's like I can't be too aggressive at her, cause, right? Uh, because that was uh, outside the belly room, so they did not know any of us. Uh, most of the crowd were, uh, I would say maybe six. 65% of the crowd had not seen Roast Battle before. So yeah. it was like, who? we don't have any allegiance to any of these people. So I, I think guys like you and me had a disadvantage because we're going up against a woman, women. And uh, I find that tougher anyway, in any form. Uh, it's, th- it's, t- it's tough because, and somebody uh, I was talking to, I, I think it was Brendan Lynch about this the other day, who, by the way, he hasn't battled in a while, but he is as astute of a Roast Battle observer yeah. as possible. Um, and, uh, you know, he, uh, he's very into the show and, um, he was talking about like, it's a competitive sport. And in what other sport do you see men going against women? It doesn't happen. Yeah. You, he's you right. know, like in, in any other sport, like you'll never see that. So there's something about seeing like when it, t- when it comes to writing, like that's on an even like playing field. Um, so, you know, it's the only time where you can you could see it. And uh, there, there's like some satisfaction almost in seeing like a woman go against a man and, and kick his ass. Oh, yeah. But it's I think the hardest thing uh, it's it's like I'm having Leah on next week and, and you know she's awesome. Uh, she's the best. She just uh, she's like scares me. She's so good. She's such a quality person, too. And I yeah. just just real quick, like I usually meet up with people before the battle to like get info on each other. And like her and I went out and just had a couple beers and I came away from that. I didn't really know her that well going in. And I came away from that just like such a fan of her as a person. Like she's just she's so fucking cool. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, but it's like I have a big head. It's absolutely a target for jokes. Uh, her nose is prominent. Mm-hmm. But I think when it's a guy and a girl, I could say something about her nose. I guess every battler will. 
And it's like, what are you talking about? She's kind of cute or, or whatever. <laughs> right. And then she could fire back. Well, your fucking head is, you know, you're big. And that everyone's going to look at me and go, you know, it's kind of big. You know, I think it's harder for the guy against the girl. Oh, yeah. A straight guy against a straight girl. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. the guy's gay, they might be, well, he's kind of a woman. So it's almost <laughs> an even. Uh, but like, I, I, do you think that is the toughest matchup? Uh, like a straight guy against a straight girl? Yeah, probably. Although I think that's uh, it's skewed. It's skewed back towards uh, it's regressed to the mean. Like, I I don't have the data, but I would bet that, you know, for the first year, year and a half of the show, um, women probably won 75, 80 percent. And now it's probably more like 55, 60. Well, I think that mean spiritedness, like you're right, of the show is is more acceptable now. But like uh, and like in that riot show, you had Sarah Tiana against Guy. Mm-hmm. Um and that was like maybe uh, a wild card in the equation of uh, a girl going against a guy. Cause you know, guys, you know, I think it's fair to say everyone knows guys gay and uh, really, I didn't know for 10 years. So he really, <laughs> but like, it's a little easier for uh, him to attack Sarah's looks or whatever. Cause it's like, Oh, he's, well, he's gay. So uh, yeah, she does have uh, this flaw. Yeah. Um, but if you took say like you or me against Sarah, I don't think we could attack her. Uh, you'd have to be really creative. Yeah, exactly. Anything can be done, but it's it's like trying to become a left-handed shortstop. <laughs> like, it's possible, technically, but why would you waste your time trying to do it? Right. Like, there's no rule against it, but you should probably play the outfielder first base. Yeah, no, you're right. Play your position, you know? So, uh, I don't want you to get a parking ticket. I appreciate that. I, I would hate to have someone basically pay to do this podcast. <laughs> uh, I had a great time, man. This is, uh, I appreciate you having me over. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope the roast battle talk is like entertaining for people. And I, I hope that if you're listening to this and you haven't been to a roast battle, like, please go. This isn't just like some like fun little like, uh, like show that we put on and, and, you know, uh, it's like just for kicks and giggles. Like this is, this is like a fucking revolution, man. So, uh, get on board and watch the Periscope. But if you can make it to the belly room, like you, you have to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is. And Periscope is awesome. Uh, but it, it, uh, I bring up kiss a lot, but I don't know if Periscope catches the craziness. You have to be there live. It's like you, you put on a kiss CD. You're like, Oh boy, this is like, it's all right. Uh, but you see them live. You're like, this is the greatest fucking band ever. You know, laser beams. Oh yeah. Smoke bombs and the drummer twirling sticks that are on fire. And, <laughs> and it's only five bucks to get a guaranteed seat to uh, kiss. What? Well, well, now it is. <laughs> I mean, that's Rose Pals definitely charge more than the kiss. Concert. Right. Uh, you have to see it live because it's it's you know uh it's just the energy and 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 it's such a what i love about the show is it's a family show like people send each other their jokes uh, i know the last couple battles i don't mind saying this i sent you my jokes right. say, hey what would you know uh not asking you to write sure t- but you want feedback yeah because you're like you know you're an amazing writer and comic and battler so i'm like i i have no ego Right. It's like, I don't mind getting help. I love, I love that it's a family show. I love that we're all so tight. Uh, Brendan uh, would, would kill me uh, if, if he, when he hears this podcast, he's, he's going to be very upset because he thinks that the show needs more like mean spiritedness and like legitimate grudges. 
Um, I don't think that would. I mean, like I, I, I agree with you, but I get where he's coming from. Um, you know, it's it's just it's it's nice to to hear like different you know perspectives. I mean, it might work. Uh, I I think I understand what he's saying. Like, uh, you know, I do think some of the battles have suffered. Like when Nick and Anna fought. Yeah, they were holding back for sure. Uh, and it it, it uh, maybe took away from the quality of both of how good they both are. Um, like that's what I loved about me and Olivia. We didn't hold back at all. Yeah. No, you got, you got to find you that. Keith. Well, me, yeah, me and Keith, I mean, we you got to find that sweet spot. That was the sweet spot because Keith and I both respect each other, but we were both out for blood. Oh yeah. I and mean, that's, you know, we all want to win. That's my attitude, you know, going forward. Like I respect everybody who does it, but, uh, I, I want to, I want to take somebody's fucking head off. Oh yeah. I mean, it's blood. You said it. It's blood sport, baby. It's the octagon. Alex Hooper, Jay light, uh, Con- Connor's got his hands full with, uh, with Kim Congdon coming up, but him that's and I, a- that's going to be, that's going to be a great one. Um, there's a lot of really talented people and I respect them all, but I also, I, I want to, I want to destroy them. Yeah. And Kim's another one who's like, got the beauty of a girl but like the balls of a dude like she'll you you know and and she really owns her roasting flaws like uh you know okay you're gonna call me a whore well uh guess what blah 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 on you sure uh, you know and it's, it's, that's what what i think separates the elites from the good roasters is like you know you own you're not fat but like no i'm fat it's okay I, well no <laughs> I, I mean, according according to my my BMI, um, yeah, I'm fat. Shirley Hempel's fat, uh, was fat. Like, but in the roasting world, I guess you would be uh, a, a body image joke would be right for the picking. You know, I'm yep. a, in the roasting world old. I think I'm the oldest roaster, probably outside of Dana Snow. Dana Snow, yeah. So I hope Dana stays in the game, so I can just <laughs> at least have that going for me. But. Uh, you know, it's Pat's one of the good ones. Where can people find you on for about the show on HBO? Any uh, given Wednesday. Any given Wednesday airs every uh, every Wednesday at, at 10 p.m. Uh, we we have uh, the, my boss Bill Simmons is uh, he's incredible. He's a great interviewer. We've already had um, you know we've just three weeks in and we've had uh, Charles Barkley, Ben Affleck. Uh, he did his Deflate Gate thing that people lost their minds over. It sort of went viral. You know, Mark Cuban, Chris Bosh. Uh, you know, Rogan, Bill Hader, like we, we get big names on there and it's, it's, it's a great show. So tune into that. Um, what I like about him as an interviewer is, you know, he's almost roast battle-esque and he's like, he talked his piece about ESPN. You know, you never hear people talk bad about ESPN. It's like a skull and bones fucking Illuminati. He said, Hey man, this was my experience, uh, toward the end. And I, so I, I like, uh, I find too many sports shows. I guess you'd say maybe his competitors, you know, they're just ass kissers and, and like he keeps it real. He does. He does. And he brings that into his interviewing. You know, uh, when he interviewed Charles Barkley, he, he was needling him pretty good and it makes for good television. So definitely watch that. And, um, on Twitter, uh, uh yeah, at Pat Barker comedy everywhere, Twitter, you know, Instagram, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Follow me. And, um, Come to a roast battle. And we'll have you on to talk more sports. I mean, we could have gone another hour, but... Uh, I, I had a feeling this was how this was going to turn out. Uh, I mean, just, we're at an hour and 45 minutes. I know. it's. Uh, yeah, I apologize to everybody. That's a long time to hear me blabber about uh, roast battles. But thanks that's what thanks people, for sticking with it. We, we, we could have done another hour with... Uh, but, you, you know, uh, you have to get to the meter. I got to go to the improv. Uh, 
but Pat's one of the true. What I love about this show is I only deal with people I like dealing with. Not one guest has been someone I didn't want to talk to. And uh, Pat, ever since I've met him, he's, he's an amazing comic, a, 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 an amazing roaster, and but a great guy. His wife is awesome. So become oh. fans of Pat Parker uh, and uh, go to a roast battle. Uh, you will see Pat on the telly doing comedy and roasting. After Montreal, who knows what's going on with roast battle. But uh, I have a feeling Pat's position is pretty secure on the next whatever happens. So uh, Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes, any given Wednesday uh, for my fans is on Wednesdays. Just I know Pat said that eight times, but I know some of you will probably be looking for it on Thursdays. So uh, thanks for all the love. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I had to pick this next guest very carefully after the Faberman. You know, I needed a guy who could just bring us back to the middle, you know, level uh, emotions. And uh, I couldn't have picked a better guy. Uh, he'll be back. For, we'll talk sports, ECW, the Sandman's rapid decline. Uh, you know, it's I, I saw Sandman wrestle at the Olympic Auditorium for XPW Jesus. in front of no more than 50 people. And it was just like, it was like, it was the wrestler. It was like it's brutal. So, uh, you know, thank you, Pat, for doing this. Thanks for having me. Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, iTunes, and uh, John Jones out of UFC 200. Uh, this just and Leslie Jones has taken the fight. So, just kidding, Leslie. I'm sure you listen to this.